there's always going to be a ton of games, which means there's always going to be something, always going to be something for everyone to play, but then always going to be something for a developer to to put on Game Pass, or you know, there's always going to be a want from Microsoft for for new content. So, um, that you can share it across your your Microsoft devices. Also, really cool. Project X Cloud is amazing. I you know could hop on my my Xbox and play Streets of Rage, and then go to bed and continue playing it from my phone. Like, absolutely fantastic. Welcome to episode 274 of the Emergent Gamer Podcast. This is one of your hosts, Lock and Key. I'm here with a great group of guys. First here, I got Mr. Felix Hergood. Hey, what's up? What's going on, Felix? We got uh, Neo Aoshi. Hey, you doing? <laughs> that, that, that nice little pause there, Neo. I was wondering if your mic was working. We got Trip Zero okay. here. What's up, everybody? It's Trip Zero. What's going on, Trip? And then we have a special guest tonight. Um, we have Nick from PHL Collective, um, who has been on the show. I think we were just talking about it. It seems like a little over two years ago at this point. Um, he is a developer, game developer based out of Philadelphia. So we're going to talk to him for a little bit. So, Nick, thank you very much for, for joining the episode. Welcome. Yeah, welcome back. Thank you for having me back. Hey, welcome. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're gonna uh, we're gonna dive into to some stuff with with PHL Collective on the l- later half of the episode. We're gonna talk about some games that they just released, what they've been up to, um, and ask a few other questions of of Nick while we while we have our local expert on on uh, on the line. Um, so, guys, what have you been up to, Felix? No, I was just gonna say uh, I, I want to correct something I said uh, prior to the show. I said that Nick had been on one. 53 uh, it was actually 159 sorry mm-hmm. clarity and everyone so, out there is very very glad you corrected thank you want, if you want to list honest and well, no, I, I no, appreciate I'm, it no, I'm, episode <laughs> collectors lists that they've listened to if you want to go <laughs> back go to the- and listen to the previous episode with Nick you can go back to 159 where he talks there you go. his other game <laughs> one that actually that I've was- been I've been obsessed with for a long time on my switch I've been playing <laughs> cluster puck or sorry, cluster. Wait, wait, wait. no, cluster I, 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 yeah. confused. I almost said the name wrong because of your your the story of how the name came about. You, I almost said clusterfuck. I'm sorry, but yeah, clusterfuck, man. Like I've been <laughs> clusterfuck ninety nine, man. I, I was doing live streams of it for a while, man. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I got my dad. I got my right? I got my dad addicted to it. Like I'll bring the switch down and we'll uh, to my parents' house and we'll always play it. <laughs> my dad gets very frustrated when I kick his ass in so many different ways. Because he, he, he's like, it's it's supposed to be hockey. Why isn't it like hockey? It's not like hockey. <laughs> so that's a great funny. angry dad voice. Yeah, that's my dad. That's my dad. But yeah, we, we had a lot of fun doing that. Um, no, Locke, I have not been playing anything. I, I told you last time I started into Civ 6. Well, I, yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I was playing it at the time on my switch. Well, I went and right. bought it now on the Xbox. Cause I wanted something Why? that the switch just takes <laughs> an ungodly <laughs> amount of time to load the fucking game. Like I like to play. Oh, these, right. we, were, we were talking about, I like to play week, these right. ginormous campaigns where I'm like fighting an army for, you know, 
500 turns, <laughs> you know, or plus, you know. So I've just been playing that, and I started a, a campaign on that. And I started playing, and this is really cool if you guys are Civ fans, anyone listening right now, if you're, if you're into Civ. Gathering Storm is the DLC, and they add a couple of gameplay elements that blew my mind. Number one, they add a unit, like it's a religious unit, called a rock band. <laughs> so it's, it's literally a rock band bus that rides around and turns people into these nut nutbag fanatics for a rock band and adds to your tourism rating, which I thought was like a really cool thing. Like you don't get it. You don't get it till much later. Like when you're a more advanced culture, but like rock rock band, man. So you can look, yeah. No, uh, no Stone Age rocking uh, no, rock bands. No Stone Age rocking. Yeah, no, no Fraggle Rock. None of that. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that's really cool. And then Gathering Storm is—it's in the name. It adds like storms that can wipe out your civilization, like dust storms. And mm-hmm. um, uh, I, I, my culture was built more in the northern hemisphere, so a lot of snowstorms, like big, massive blizzards wipe out all your units so they stop being productive and you have to rebuild and all that stuff so it's it's it adds a whole interesting dynamic to the game because you have like these perfect storm situations where you're fighting you and a and and uh you know like an army that's invading or or vice versa and then in comes a storm while your armies are fighting and you just get that visual in your mind when you're playing the game you're like wow this is this is something that could happen this is something that probably happened in numerous wars over the years, you know, especially I'm thinking like world war one, when they were fighting in the, the mountains of, uh, of, um, uh, above Italy, you know, like mm. where crazy storms could have come in and wiped people out. So like, I think it's really cool. Um, I just wish all this stuff was in the game from the beginning. It's like, why, why, why are these cool right. features, you know, pushed to DLC? And I'm sure Nick can probably fill me in on that, but, uh, <laughs> just, a lot of reasons. <laughs> for a lot of reasons, right? Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that's all reasons. I've been doing. I've just been messing with that because it's a great distraction from politics. So, so how is the how is the Xbox version compared to the Switch? Besides well, like way times? faster. Like it's yeah. not as faster as iOS. I, obviously, iOS is the greatest, but uh, because it, on the iPhone, like with the processing you, the power you have there, it's just so quick. But the problem with the I, iPhone is I can't play it with a controller on a TV because they never yeah they never mapped it for that. So and they don't have a t like a tvOS version. Neither, no. right? No, yeah. So the only version I have, I could play it on an iPad. I could play it on a phone. I don't have an iPad. I just have a phone. So, uh, so I wanted something a little bit faster. So I bought it on the Xbox, and you know it was like a sale. So uh, because I'm um, Game Pass sale, so mm. I was able to get mm. it for like half the price. The DLC, though, I had to pay like fifty for. So it was like twenty five, really? twenty five for the game and fifty for the DLC. But I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it because I wanted to play a game. I, I just saved myself a bunt, boatload of time, dude. A boatload. So It probably does add up if you think about it. Sitting there yeah. during load screens, especially well, if you're playing like a turn-based like, game. Yeah, I just shaved like off a day. Plus turns. <laughs> shaved off yeah. a day. That man. shit adds up, dude. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the other one I want to dig into is called Rise and Fall. And what they add to that are diseases. So like mm. Uh, mm. big plagues, um, it can hit. I don't know if that incorporates the storm stuff. I think the storm stuff is only in Gathering Storm, and then the plague stuff is only when you pick a save that plays with the mechanics of the rise and fall. Yeah. Do you have to pick either expansion to add to your game? You can't just like add all that stuff into. Right, right. So not only does it not add to a, an extant save you've been playing because that's called a standard playthrough. 
Mm-hmm. It's a, it's the save file is literally labeled with a separate type of playthrough. Sure. So so when you do a gathering storm playthrough, the save file is a gathering storm save, and when you do rise and fall, it's a rise and fall save. Um, I, I just I just think, I mean, from you know, and Nick could probably shed on this more some light on this more than I could, but like I think from a development standpoint, I think they had to probably rewrote rewrite whole aspects of the game if they were trying to like, you know, put it all in together. I I don't know. It seems like it would be more complicated. It seems like there's probably some mismatching systems which have you have separate saves and things like that. So that or there's some incompatibility between some of the new campaign stuff and then classic campaign stuff, you know? Yeah. Or they just wanted to sell it sell two things to me, which they did. (laughs) (laughs) Never underestimated developer trying to get money out of a player. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in some cases, isn't it the case where like they have these plans to add these plagues and rock band stuff later but they want to get like what they like the base game out there to the people and then they can later patch you know like sell those add-ons like surprise and delight later Later. down the road you know it it gives you replay investment later it makes the player want to come back to the game again Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. you know personally in my own head as a player i'm like okay, well, I'm playing the gathering store and now it's tweaked my interest. How is rise and fall going to change the play that I normally do? Like, what's it going to be like? I mean, for me, it always ends up being the same gameplay. I just play until 500 turns, which is the max turns you can play. And then I say, there's an option called one more turn. And then I go 800 turns after (laughs) like just playing and playing and playing until I win, you know, like, 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 I'm like a Labrador that really loves you and just wants to keep, keep coming back to the house they're on that ball it. dude yeah yeah but you're <laughs> also like a big you're a big history buff and you're a big history fan right right like, like people you like normal people don't listen to to hardcore history podcast you know what i mean like, not, I listen, like yeah. your average joe your average joe doesn't listen to those that podcast so right the average person doesn't play 800 round turns of right six, i'm, all, I'm also fun so i'm also not it, one of these it, people that cares whether i get the civic win or the right you know, like right, i don't right. even care if i get the diplomatic win or the domination win i don't even care because i eventually dominate the whole map <laughs> like you know like i, I am the play the that, turns don't that matter is. You, yeah. they're real long games yeah. talking yeah. about long games earlier super long yeah, game, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's fun though but, nice yeah nice. i don't want to take up too much time but uh that's uh, what i've been doing cool uh neo i know that you wanted to talk specifically about a game that just came out right what? Well, I think I think Trip should start it off. He's definitely spent a lot more time oh, yeah, on Watch Dogs streaming it as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I did to? I did spend the weekend with Watch Dogs, so I like to have a discussion about it if possible. Yeah, yeah I mean, I what, do you, what do you think of Watch Dogs? Uh, well, I spent about eight hours with Watch Dogs. That was Thursday when it launched. Uh, didn't stream Monday like I normally do, just to like prepare for my uh election day plan <laughs> like i just poorly planned the day and like the things i had to do around the house i also wanted to like buy groceries in case like the world blew up it didn't you know still figuring that out <laughs> here we um, are here we are get rest all that good all that good healthy Sorry. stuff you know um so i did uh thursday and then yesterday so it was about uh, eight hours total in the game um and i had read things before and after it came out and then also before and after my first time with it uh, and I was kind of reserving how I felt about it until I like went back into the game because I played it on the day it launched, had an impression of the game, heard a lot of other takes, a lot of contradictory takes about the game. People feeling very strongly about different things and and uh, different scenarios in the game. And we'll, of course, probably get into that a little bit uh, more deeply. Um, but then, of course, played it last night and uh, 
then allowed myself to have a feeling about it. And I think where I'm landing on it is it's, it's really, really fun and it's a popcorn game. And I get the, the hate for the formula of what the people are calling it, the Ubisoft formula, the open world formula, the watchdogs formula, even, um, but I really kind of landed on on my thought process of you have to judge a game by its own lens, kind of. You can't apply a lens you you want to apply to a game that isn't striving for something. You know, like Watch Dogs never tried to be what Cyberpunk is being in terms of like reinventing an entire world. Like they lean into one uh, one unique system which crafted their entire game experience, which is this play as anybody, have your own experience with a character in the game. And from that lens, from that uh, perspective, it works fantastic. Um, I'm never someone who, uh, when I play the other Watch Dogs, the story was fine. You know, like it was engaging enough, but the, the real fun is the world and finding your own way around the world. So I found my way around the world so much in Watch Dogs Legion that I didn't get through the first story mission until three quarters of my stream last night. And it started because I was playing on what they call uh, permadeath mode, but they call Iron Man permadeath mode. Oh, you're doing that. A version of that where if your character dies, you lose them forever. Like whatever, whoever you're playing as. And Iron Man permadeath means you can't change the setting in your game file if you change your mind and say, I hate this. I want to go back. You can't. So I did Iron Man permadeath. If I lose one of my members, they're gone. They're gone forever. Oh, that's how I would play. Yeah. 100%. So when I started playing day one, um, my first character died and I was like, oh, no, I was so sad. It was like this middle aged, like drunk woman, like her skill was literally like when she's drunk, she takes less physical damage and is better at fighting. I was like, this is lit. This is amazing. Um, and everyone has unique things and abilities and stories and lives. You can scan them and figure out like, you know, their motivations and their skills. It's kind of kind of wild. It's all AI based, obviously. But at least for right now, I haven't seen the strings too much, and it still is very like impressive and magical that this all exists in the game. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm playing, and she died, and the game was like, hold S to retry. And I was like, but if I can retry, what's up with permadeath? Um, and that happened again, and I died once uh, yesterday. And I was like, okay, I have to look this up. Like, What's the deal? And between myself and chat, we found out you don't get permadeath activated until you finish the first story mission because they guide Mm -hmm. you through some of like, you know, the newer hacking things to do in the game. Like you have to like learn how to ride a giant cargo drone, which you can literally hack. And these, it's like, you know, obviously you know what a drone looks like. It's a drone that can pick up like, you know, a refrigerator and move it like a construction site, something of that size and weight, but you can hop on these things and literally fly up in the air and cruise over London, wherever you want. It's pretty sick, but the game guides you through doing all of that through recruiting someone say you were not recruiting anybody you just were following the story it makes you recruit someone specifically Mm -hmm. a construction worker to get that drone i'd already had like three people on my team i got one guy because he had like a clothing discount and i was like that's gonna come in handy i'm gonna be on my team uh so i'd I'd gone through all these systems just bouncing around the world literally pinballing having fun exploring london uh and having that kind of a gameplay experience and then i realized i don't even really care about the story it's like it's it's there is you know future techno terrorism and that's great and i'll probably do a bunch of very hacky things and save the world in some capacity uh they don't they don't really lean too much into the social commentary of things it feels really on the nose because of the year we're having but they don't really dedicate to like 
true actual commentary on what can make the world kind of like how Ubisoft tends to like to skirt the line between real life, but right. never really. That's the problem. Yeah, they with never really like yeah, jumped in the pool. Yeah, it's you know? it's edgy, but it's vapid. You know, that, like it that, doesn't really cut that deep. That was the um, major major criticism of Ghost Recon, both Ghost Recon games, uh, Wildlands, yeah. and, and, and the Division games. The Division games mm-hmm. do the same thing. Yeah. So I I just was like, you know what? I'm having a lot of fun with this. It might wear off one day, but it's literally just it's AAA. It's popcorn. It's it's fun for what it is. They did a great job with. You're making everyone that you meet feel unique and giving you something to do that's unique to your specific time sitting in front of that screen. So mm. I'm liking did, it. Did I saw some of the RTX lighting demos that they did oh in that game? Have you seen God, it? Dude, it's crazy. No, I played. I got a. I got a yeah. 2080. Oh, that's right. You yeah, did. I'm, I, yeah, and I'm, I'm playing, playing on a 3080. So it's right. Yeah, the, it's the, the, the Twitter really clip. Yeah. The Twitter clip that I saw where dude. someone he's like flying on the. Have on you the seen drone? this Twitter clip? He's flying on the drone next to the mm-hmm. mirror wall. So no, like, so it's it's just it's yeah. a, it's a building. It was in our Discord. Yeah, is it like it's, that, that uh, like uh, almost egg, long like an elongated egg shaped building? It just is like curved and it's glass and it's everything like that, or is it just probably? Yeah, or it could just be glass building. Yeah, so he <laughs> so he's flying next to it and it and it says on it like RTX off and it just looks like a building. Yeah, and you can tell like it's it's glass like your generic type right. of glass type, and then they flip the RTX lighting on and then each like each um, tile starts to reflect inside mm. this building and it's you know thousands of tiles mm-hmm. that make up the building and it, light is reflecting off of all of them and you can see like his character flying by his reflection how it bounces off of one tile over here and another tile yeah. over there and it's, it's yeah it's it's crazy it's, i mean see each the, tile is like it's its own like natural reflection right yeah, yeah. I, it's, it's called the I need technology to look that up. in action yeah. yeah to see the technology in action is crazy it's called the i have my own the, it's called the gherkin Oh, the uh, the building in in London, the thing, ah, the big egg. Uh, Paul Hollywood hates gherkins. Fun fact on on Great British Big Show. Anyway, um, uh, my own RTX moment came when I was just driving around and it started raining at night, and the, like the game looked gorgeous until that point. Uh, but then it started like all the rain and the puddles and like the shine on my character's leather actually catching specific lighting from like traffic lights around me or or shops or I was just you know the way like a a, a a puddle from far away will reflect differently than up close. It just they, everything is is like real. It's it's absolutely yeah. nuts. So. Yeah, Neo, Neo just uh, Neo just dropped it. it in the um in the in our channel. If you oh, the um, look at the gift, their yeah. reflection refraction. Yeah, thing. it's it's crazy cool. to see that. Nick, the Nick, if you want to see it, I'll, I'll put it in our games chat. There you go. Oh, you yeah, see it right I haven't seen it before, but um, um, yeah, it's 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 crazy to see the technology. Um, because like the 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 version with the RTX off already looks good, right? It's yeah. not like it looks bad. And then they throw that technology on, and then it's oh, like, you know, it's, whoa, dude! I just saw it flip yeah. to the yeah. on. That is actually yeah, it's enough. unreal. Um, I, I had a very similar experience trip with the. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, well, yeah, give me your um, your kind because, of because well, with it. I'll start with like I'll start with what I like about it, which is the visuals. Like it does look really good, especially with the RTX graphics on. Like my experience was again at night. That's when everything really shines. At the daytime, yeah. everything looks fine, but the reflections become like alive at night. You get those yeah, when neon the city lights up, it's, it's great. Yeah, um, and they're reflecting off the the water on the ground, and it it looks amazing. Like the game, like really pops. My frame rate definitely takes a hit when I have that on, like for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I feel like I just I want to want to play games with RTX on now because I can. <laughs> so. Um, but that's that is definitely a, like mad props to how that game looks. 
uh, for sure. But on the other hand, I like what they are doing out of the gate with watchdogs, but how can I, it's, I, I think the game does take us like a massive suffer without a main character that follows you through the game. And I did not turn or I did not turn permadeath on. And so like, I'm going to keep all the people I recruit and everything like that. But I did have a lot of fun, like running into all these random characters, talking to them going, Oh, I can recruit you. I found a guy like who, who can run like the stock market. Like he was like a stockbroker accountant. And I was like, Oh, that'll probably be useful. Let's, uh, let's get him on the team. I'll do run a mission for him, get him on the squad get, get some more money income, like into, into the squad. Um, and like, he has you like run, like, like I like the fact that when you encounter these people, like, and like random people, they make you do like a little mission that, um, corresponds to like, kind of like their class type, right? Like I found a medical worker and I was like, that, that'll probably be important. She can put on the medical uniform, uh, go into, uh, like hospitals and stuff like that mm-hmm. without being detected. Um, and she makes you like steal, like the through line story in that was like, this company is like stealing all these, like, like uh, insulin or like medicine and keeping it from the public. But this dot, this nurse person who I was recruiting was like, no, we need to get this. Let's, let's, let's re, you know, recover it and get it to the people. And then she relates with dead sec, which is a very like for the people kind of organization. And then bam, you have like a new person on your squad. Um, I do like all that aspect of it, all those aspects uh, of it. Yeah. I'm glad that you had that experience. Cause I was super curious sitting here, uh, mainly because the second or third person I recruited was also a nurse mm-hmm. with the ability to sneak into like, you know, a hospital. So I'm sitting here thinking, Ooh, what's his, what's Neo's unique mission going to be? What, what would the game have given him to is make it, this is character? Is is yours? No. Oh, okay. My person had me, have you do? uh, had me go into the basement of the Battersea, which from what I could gather is like a, maybe like a mall inside of like an old industrial building. Um, and they had a friend that was like abducted by Albion, like the police company that is running the city. And I had to go and like rescue their friend. Mm-hmm. And she's like, there's like someone I really care about. Like, if, you know, if, please, I'll join your group. Just like, you got to get him back. Like, like I've heard what dead sec can do. Like I need your help. So oh, kind of cool. wild and not really medical related, but like entirely You're different. I had to like get info and but- intel on where he was being held and then, then go like do the rescue mission. Like it was a whole involved thing. It's crazy. That is cool. I mean, before you, before you guys hop in, the one thing I do like your your one through line through the story is um is the AI that like kind of talks in your ear. Yeah, like, Bagley. Throughout the whole time, still like he, Bagley. Yeah, he's like the one thing that like ties all the different people that you kind of recruit together, which is kind of nice. That hold that holds like it keeps like some cohesion between your characters. But like overall, I find that I will I I find that I do get attached to like my first character that I've like recruited and then like I'll, I'll probably maybe switch like when it comes to the point, but like I've already like attached myself personally to the first character that I've recruited. Um, and I think that worked really well in like watchdogs one, I played like five hours of watchdogs two, So like, I can't speak to the main character of that game, but usually when I play a story driven game or a game that wants you to do that, like I do attach myself. However, the game is a fun sandbox because of everything you mentioned trip, the, all like the toys you can play with, you can hijack all these cameras. You can obviously steal cars and like London's a big playground. So like that, that as long as you're like in it to like have fun in the world that they're giving you, then 
there's there's no reason why you can't just have fun will i continue playing it like without caring so much about the story i don't know that that might be like the point where i drop off because if the story doesn't hold me then i don't feel like there's like a goal i'm rushing to or like moving toward at least um felix did you have a did you have a question no i was just wondering i was just wondering it's it's like the the perspective i guess i need you to like kind of clarify exactly the the gameplay structure because like how deep does it go it's like can i interact with any person in the city and great then, question like, yeah like because here's what i noticed when I, I i've only played watchdogs one all the way through it has some really great surface level like quirks you know mm-hmm. like a, a feature or some kind of like thing that's really cool that you could do like like the thing where you could like raise the um, the pylons up when, yeah. when, you're, when you're trying to make an escape mm-hmm. or something like the game will will have that and at first you're like wow that's really cool that's that's a surface level feature that's like tweaking my interest and then it got it, it in my assessment it went one level deeper usually there was something a little bit more dynamic one level deeper but then it was like then you started to realize after maybe eight to 20 you know between eight to 20 hours in the in, uh, playing the game that a lot of this is just copy and paste like you start to realize they copy and pasted this. Oh, I've already run this mission. I did this like little thing. And I'm just trying to see in my head, like how, <laughs> you know what I mean? If How not, many paths are there? Like, like how many different? Right, like for instance, you just described a, a mission that this nurse sent you on. Is there now going to be later through the randomization of the systems, is there going to be a construction worker that does a so, similar quest? Like Probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Like, but, and but how many hours before I about- meet that? You know what I mean? Before I make well, that's that the magic. Well, yeah. You know, that, like well, how deep does thing. it go? The, how many iterations? How many possibilities? It, that's that's realism, be, you know. But you will run into a wall at some point. Yeah. Because because of the way the game is structured, they give you these characters that have very different, unique skills, and the skills that like you unlock like skill tree wise throughout the game. It gives you an option of of unlimited. What, what's your imagination? Where does that stop? Like, how do you want to tackle this specific mission? They give you a little spider bot. You don't even have to enter a building. You can run in and you can access the computer with the spider bot. And, or you can fly to the roof with one of these construction drones, drop in, start shooting everybody. Like, the game does give you. I like driving short. cars into people. Yeah. From far away. Perfect. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And they're like, what the fuck? And then, like, their friend's dead. And they're like, oh, well, I guess no one's here. And they just go back to, like, whatever they were doing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's great. Like, it gives you, it gives you this whole thing. The, the one question I have, I the one question play. I have for, yeah, probably. Just add it to your shelf of games, dude. You'll get to it. <laughs> um, the one question that I have, because I, I haven't played any of them and I won't, but um, is, is there a thread to tie? the three of them together like i know legion is its own thing but is there a thread that ties the the trilogy together or is this very much its own it's uh, just what? it just has the name watchdogs i heard the so dude, the dude from the first game you can get as one of these legion characters yeah, i mean yeah the i was gonna say that they exist in the same world the characters know of each other like and there's a there's a technology that connects everything like ctos is like so this network that everything is connected to it's like the web 3.0 like imagine all of your stuff is on your wi-fi and talks to each other it's ctos is the in-universe technology that does that so gotcha. everything runs on ctos in like watchdogs 2 i did like one mission that i found where i like uh remote helped uh uh aiden pierce from the first game so there's like cameos 
and and DeadSec now is like the organization that everyone like belongs to. Okay. So in like Watch Dogs Two in San Francisco, you were like the core of DeadSec, and I, now I think it's like spread out as like a like the the plot of that game was like getting people to download your app and and join in and and like do things on their own. So I think this is like an extension of that where London is now like you can just join pockets and cells of DeadSec as as your own kind of yeah. The organization, and, the organization is the overarching yeah. In, thing, in right? the yep, okay. Watch Dogs One, DeadSec was just a weird, completely. Um, para like society type group mm-hmm. that were sending mm-hmm. weird tweets throughout the game. Like you hardly interacted with dead sec. Uh, mm-hmm. There was like maybe a few yeah. missions where you interacted with a dead sec person, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't pervasive and it looks like they've expanded yeah. on dead, dead sec in these games. Mm-hmm. I guess one, one through way would be watchdogs. One, you're, you're a one man army, right? You're the one man tech army. Aiden Pierce. That's uh, number two. You're expanding a little bit. You have a core group of, individuals like a like a you know like the cast of like a tv show right that you hang out with uh, correct me if i'm wrong trip like it was like it a, like a bad like mid-90s yeah. hacker movie like yeah. watchdogs too exactly very yeah. much inspired exactly. and by now hackers three, the movie probably yeah and now three it's Fun, like but, yeah. every it's like anybody um and now felix remember that system from the first game where they're like everyone has like their own like little bio when you like mouse over mm-hmm. like when you yeah. highlight them well same yeah, thing happens selling, here except you can see like yeah, of course. So now that that same thing happens, except now you get like perks on everybody in the world and you can see what if they're going to be useful for DeadSec. You can see if they hate DeadSec or work for Albion, the, you know, the military enemies that are in this game and like all kinds of stuff. Um, another thing that uh, I think is really weird and I need to point this out. There were I like doing like the fight clubs. I did a lot of like those underground. Fight oh, I haven't done that yet. Things. Yeah they're cool you fight like four or five like you know fights and then Mm -hmm. what ends up happening is you can like choose to recruit these people if you wanted to so i was like oh sweet yeah i'll take one of these these people i'll do their mission and one thing i'm noticing the more i talk to people in the world because all these people are voice like everyone in the world is voice but what i'm noticing that they're doing is they are like severely auto-tuning a lot of these voices and it feels like a lot Mm. of them are like randomized so like the voice doesn't quite match the face at times. Like it's either like too deep or it sounds like it's like a young person's face, but it sounds like they're kind of 70 years old. Like <laughs> a lot of these like really weird quirks yeah. happen in the randomization. And I find it just like, interesting. I, it's like weird, like watching yeah. them talk. I would bet they did like a lot of, uh, they've had to do hours and hours and hours and hours and days of voice recording. But I would mm-hmm. imagine it's like, a bunch of people like a, a still a very large cast of people doing voices, but then you take that sure. and then you just like modify that slightly Modulate it, to yeah. make it seem different and unique and, and interesting. And then you hope not enough people notice. And then it sounds, you know, magical. yeah, like my, my, Nick's my shaking his head. Character. It sounds like that's, that's something <laughs> that they might've done the same thing in our game, but we didn't, um, we didn't specify, I guess, genders. So we have a lot of voices with different modulation uh, that could come out of any one of the NPCs in our world. So there's a lot oh, of interesting, you know, maybe a guy walking around with a beard, uh, but like has a, a, a way different voice than what you would expect to come out. And it's just a matter of, yeah, having a, a certain number of like voiceover files or a certain number of uh, NPCs and then trying your best to like just stretch it as far as you can mm-hmm. get more variation out of it. So mm. uh, Ubisoft working with a much larger cast and budget and all that stuff than we were. But 
the the application is the same. Yeah, the print. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's same so idea. So funny. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, at at some point, there you, you can't. You have to like have enough recording, and you have to try and work with what you have, no matter the scale of the project, right? It's probably yeah. the number of voice files are different, but um, that's interesting for sure. Um, Cool. Well, thank you guys for sharing. I appreciate yeah. it. Um, I don't really have much to share. I'm revisiting some old games. Um, I'm, I've decided to jump into the um, the Metro trilogy. So I'm starting Ooh. with the first Metro game, um, which I haven't played those yet. So I just I just purchased they're they've they're on Steam. sale. the first two are on Steam sales, like fairly regularly. Um, the second remaster is in Game Pass, but the first one is not. So I just bought the first one for, I don't know, it was like $4, I think. Um, you, you just started the first one? Literally only booted it up and like messed with the graphic okay. settings and whatnot. I have not okay. played I have not really played okay. it yet. I want to, I want to talk um, with you about it when you, yeah. when you played a, a decent amount. Yeah, we'll, yeah, get, some, we'll get some updates on that for sure. I'm it's super excited. Start. It's a slow start, but stick with it. It's good. Yeah, I've heard nothing. I haven't heard a bad thing about those games. I mean, I know the new one um, didn't live up to some of the hype, you know, and I think that's just fans of the first two games like being let down their own their own things. But um, yeah, the first two games I've heard nothing but amazing things about. So, yeah, I'm excited to I've been they've been on my list for forever to play. So I'm excited. Um, And then, yeah, I just reinstalled and updated uh, Escape from Tarkov as well. So I'm going to be diving back into that. Um, Neo, your eyes lit up. I need, you're, you're, done, you're done with that. You can't do it. Um, I feel a bit because I, I bought the game like expecting to get real hardcore with it, and that game is so intimidatingly hard. Yeah, like, I yeah, I, that's why I kind of want to dive yeah. back into it. Um, I've been watching more streams on it and um, watching Doctor Lupo specifically because it's pretty much the game that he mains now, and um, mm-hmm. he just makes me want to play it. But it is it is super super intimidating. But the the realism aspect of playing Tarkov is is I guess what I'm trying to get at. It's probably the reason why I decided to try and play Metro too. I know there's the you know the the sci-fi elements of it, but it is a more realistic shooter um, that exists. So. Yeah, so I'm I'm playing. I'll probably have some updates on those games for for next week. But outside of that, yeah, I haven't played anything new. I'm still, still playing Warzone. Still playing Valorant. You know, normal shooters. Um, before we move over and talk about the studio, Nick, is there been any games that you've played recently, or anything that you're um, that you're currently playing? Yeah, uh, there's a couple things. Um, I'll give a quick shout out to being let down by Avengers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I beat the campaign i started playing a little bit of co-op with my friends um and pretty much stuck to captain america and refused to pick anyone else because none of the other characters felt good uh really really wanted to like that game uh but there's just a lot working against it and i don't know I what did you think about the campaign blur. What did you- <laughs> Yeah, well, um, you, yeah, you struggle with motion blur in every single video game. Yeah. Um, what did you think about the campaign, though, Nick? I know a lot of people have said that they thought the campaign as a story was was good. Did you enjoy it, or I didn't grab me? I, I know, I know that a lot of people have been praising it more so than like the uh, co op element. I forget what they call right. it, uh, but no, it, it really didn't. It didn't do anything for me. And like these are characters that I love. Like these are, this is something that I was like looking forward to after being burned by other kind of, I guess, looter shooters. But 
a lot of people gave me grief for buying it. They're like, why did you buy it? I'm like, well, you know, cause I really wanted to play it. And they're like, you know, it's, I don't know. I, I tried, I gave it a shot. I tried. It made me want to go back to Anthem. Cause yes, I'm that one guy. Who mm. loves Anthem. Yeah, dude, I'm, I haven't played in a while, but I was, I was loving dude. Anthem. Yeah, I mean, they're it's it's it, they just did a teaser for for the big refresh of the game. So I'll keep it up with that blog. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, no, I'm like fully master worked out and like Anthem. I'm like top, like high. Like, or I forget what the max level is like nine or the power level is like nine hundred and some. Mm-hmm. But um, we have a buddy. We have a buddy that's uh, Diamond Jab. He he's I don't think he's been playing it recently, but he was playing it pretty regularly for a while. Um, he'll usually it, to like play it that like whenever there's an update, he'll hop back in, see what it is, and kind of talk about it. Yeah, I mean that game. That game has so much potential. It really so, does. Well, I went back to it because they do Iron Man better than Iron Man. It's Iron Man and the Avengers. Like it's <laughs> yeah. You would have figured that it's a very easy. I'm mean, actually say very easy, but that would be a very simple kind of translation. Like Anthem did it great. Here's what they did really great. And the the feel of flying is like none other. It's tight it feels amazing you're zipping through this world flying over waterfalls cooling your jets down like fantastic right and then iron man and avengers like takes some of those elements but then they do other things which just make it feel worse and like it was trash i hated it (laughs) there you go love it i I played that nick to give you context i played the beta and that's okay I, i used the beta for the precise reason why it exists to decide whether yeah. you want to buy the fucking thing, and I hated it. So, yeah, yeah I, it. I got the code, but for some reason, uh, Square Enix lost it, or they didn't send it to me, so I never got to play the beta. So I was stuck. I, I, oh, I, I had to go. Play, you know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, quick shout out to Avengers, not not being super super. <laughs> that game. Um, shout out to your failings. <laughs> um, I've, I've started playing a game that I've wanted to play for a really long time, but haven't gotten a chance to and it was uh it popped up on sale a couple days ago on xbox but it's a first person uh shooter slash mystery game called get even uh okay published by namco bandai made by a polish developer uh called like farm 51 um been hearing a lot of really great things about it. it's a game that i've wanted to play for a while so finally picked it up and uh, it's extremely interesting so far. Um, you don't get a lot of context. You don't get a lot of reason for doing the things that you're doing. But I think that is the larger goal of the game as you expand this world, as you go through this asylum and re- go th- like relive these memories to try to figure out why you're doing what you're doing. Um, and shooting is a little stiff in the game. But ultimately, the entire package is in, like intriguing enough where I'm going to continue playing. And it's seven bucks. Like you know, that's yeah, really that's, a, that's a good deal. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, um, it, it, the it's like a mis- It has a lot of mystery elements that are like yeah, yeah. investigation the, style things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, it's almost like condemned. Like you carry a phone around with you, like condemned criminal origins. Uh, oh, and, I pulled the trailer up and I just saw it. Uh, the phone came in right as you mentioned carrying yeah, on. Yeah. So you scan a lot of things. There's like different modes in the phone, which help you kind of figure out uh, mysteries and scan things for, for clues and data. And it's, it's very interesting. It's very well, interesting. Yeah, it's got a, it's got a cool summary on steam. So the summary is 
Uh, take a deep breath. Try to remember a girl, a chair, a bomb. Just keep calm. Follow the voice into the depths of your memory. Relax and search for the darkest memories in the deepest recesses of your mind. Can you find her? The clock is ticking, and this is just part of the treatment. Not so fun fact here. The game was, due to its subject matter, I imagine, was uh, delayed due to the Manchester Arena bombing in 2017. Mm. Hmm. Interesting. Which probably, okay. you, you probably understand that context a little bit more than I would, uh, Nick. I'm going to question, I guess for certain, just general sensitivities, but um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything, at least I haven't gotten it, anything that large, large, that right. large scale. Yeah, you know? you're, you're not to that level of the game. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but no, last but not least, uh, I keep going back to days gone. Uh, days gone just gets me. I, I like it. It's wow. fun. I got to get back to that game, man. I love that game. <laughs> it's, I know it's like one of the like lower tier Sony first party titles, uh, compared to like, you know, uh, you know, the last of us and all the other good stuff. But, uh, since they've patched it a couple times and they've improved a couple areas of the game, it's super fun. It's a like I don't really care about the story so much. Uh, character, the main character Deacon is like whatever. It's the kind of a Sons of Anarchy vibe kind of happening. But Sam Witwer, yes, uh, he was in um, the Star Wars game. He played one of the. Uh, he, he plays mm-hmm. Darth Maul too in the Clone Wars TV show. Oh, nice! And, Pal- and Palpatine. Oh yeah, does he? Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, he's very, he's real good. Yeah. with voice, he, he does a good job in the game. There's some weird kind of lines here and there where you feel like he's overacting, but like um, the mechanics, uh, even though there's limited mission structure, there's limited things you can do. The mechanics and, and the, the the sheer amount of zombies and just the exploration, riding around your motorcycle is super fun. Uh, there's a lot going on there, which is good, and I think a lot of people maybe maybe slept in that game. Mm. I slept for sure. I definitely just didn't, didn't, I did get it on sale. But Felix, yeah, Felix loves it. So so Trip and I, we we first saw that game, the presentation of that game when we went to E3 in 2016. Then the game came out, I got it day of. I think I streamed it day of or maybe the day after or whatever. The issue after probably about 15 hours into it, I realized that there were like serious audio problems that needed to be patched. And I looked at it, didn't look at it like this is a piece of shit game and we're playing it again. I looked at it as I told basically the stream when I was live, I was like, I think these are audio problems that are real. And I think they're probably going to patch it in a couple of weeks. And I said, you know what? I'm going to hold off playing this game. I'm going to play other games and see what happens and then come back to it and then forgot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they've definitely patched the game a lot since it yeah. launched for sure. Yeah. But, but I, I, it's a game, Nick, and you know what I'm talking about. It's a game that relies on sound. You need to be yeah. able to hear the zombies when they're getting fucking close. And yeah. I had this one. I got to this parking lot. I'm on my motorcycle. I know there's zombies coming in because I can see them. And then the, the audio gone. Like there's no audio mm-hmm. except for the uh, sound of the bike. And mm-hmm. so there's no like area audio. And that, that's problematic because I was starting to get killed by shit. I tried to play it like that. But you can't because it's a game mm. where the, where it relies on having good audio cues. So it was bad. Yeah, that was. A, I think that was a title that struggled for the games that came out around its release, and then the 
some of the themes that it shares with some other first party titles. So I do think it was it was slept on. But Diamond was a huge fan of that game as well. I think he revisited it late and he he enjoyed it. Um, and I think mostly everybody that's revisited has actually enjoyed their time with it. Neo, you played it a bunch. On yeah, I got well, it on. Didn't you? Yeah, I got it on Black Friday sale. Like I want to say like a year or two ago or whenever it was, it was like 10 or 15 dollars. Uh, the company I played it for like. I don't know, like six to eight hours and I was having fun with it, but ultimately like I fell off of it. The company actually tweeted today that the PS five, if you pop that into PS five, it's going to have like dynamic 4k better mm. frame rates, a lot of improvements Whoa. to the game itself. Nice. So I actually, I think I like tweeted at them. I was like, Oh man, I might hop back into this when, you know, the PS five comes in. Like, yeah, that sounds yeah. like it would be a, like pretty fun. You're what saves- that, Nick? Your saves transfer too, so you can uh, mm-hmm. pick up where you left off with the PS5. That's nice. right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that should be pretty cool. So yeah, I would definitely revisit that game because obviously I'll need games to play on the PS5 when once that gets. Well, that's here. true. Yeah, and it's also good yeah. to see like to see the change, like the difference as it you know you get the higher textures, the higher frame rate, and all that to see what the game looks like. Um, mm-hmm. Since it's a, since it's not on PC and you can't crank it. You know, you have to see how it improves I'm, from from generation to generation, right? You know, one of the first games I'm going to boot up on PS5 is going to be Bloodborne, and I'm going to see if that game does run better. It's like that, that. It has to, to be one of the maybe. I, I know, it's listed it's under, on their website with Game Boost. It's listed with Game Boost, so like means nothing. That yeah, game, that maybe. game run, that game runs at 15 frames per second at all times. It's so bad. There's, it has but no other. So Listen, if you could run steady 30 frames in that game, it would could dramatically change the experience. It would be fine. Playing. Yeah. Um, that, like, literally, you roll and try and smack someone with a sword, and it's like... That's <laughs> what it's like playing that yeah. game. It's, it's, it's brutal. What were you going to say, Felix? Uh, brief uh, side question, Nick. Uh, were you a fan of SOA, of Sons of Anarchy? Um, in the beginning. In the beginning. Yeah. I, I think I kept watching it just because i felt like i needed to see it through um but did you, uh, did you get to the very last episode which was the worst episode in the whole show yeah no i watched the whole thing okay i watched the whole thing see um, i never watched i never watched the final season and final season was great i love the whole season i just hated the very last episode it was well worst. sure yeah i know i know why i've i've, I've read why everyone hated the, the, the last episode but yeah, that was a that was a show that was really good in its earlier seasons, like really right. good. And then it kind of, I think it struggled a little bit with its popularity, and then it it coming, you know, sometimes to most things. Long, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, well, thank you for sharing. So I think at this point we kind of want to dive into a little bit more about PHL. I know there's some games that we want to talk about, um, and if there's any that we're missing, you know, for, feel free to jump in. So um, you had two pretty big releases recently right as as a studio um <laughs> yeah right one one major title for for current gen and then you just had um, a mobile game release as well that's also been taking off so uh do you want to share a little bit about whichever one you want to talk about first yeah sure sure yeah it, it, it's been a wild month where we try to usually space our releases out but it just so happened that we had a game release on October 9th and a game release on October 30th with like no breathing time in between. And, and yeah, it's, it's been absolutely nuts. But uh, um, I guess we'll start with Ben 10 first, that, that, that release first. But um, yeah, we released Ben 10 Power Trip, which is uh, an open world, the first open world uh, Ben 10 game ever created. Um, 
on all the platforms uh, on October 9th. It's digital and it's physical. Um, and somehow, some way, uh, we managed as a studio to to make this game and ship it on time, despite uh, having to shut down the office and have everyone go remote and take hardware home and do testing remotely. Oh my god! Picture, but we managed to somehow somehow get through those hurdles or get over those hurdles and uh, get the game out on time. And um, yeah, it's proven to be pretty pretty popular for for kids so far. Hmm. We're gonna say trip. Can I yeah? Can I ask you a real quick question about that, Nick? Um, before we go into other things, it may be too rabbit holey about this game's specific experience, but like it looks great. It looks it looks you know massive and engaging and well kind of rounded. How far along was it when you know everything happened? Wave hands in the air, you know, like like how much time was done remote? How much time was done in studio? And like how you know what, what was that like? So we basically had we went remote in what like March. Yeah, mid March. So we were basically a month out from GMC. So we were uh, having to basically pack everyone up, get them home, get them hard where they needed, and still focus on hitting the dates that we had set in, you know set from our for like our milestone schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we got everyone home, uh, everyone safe, and then we started working again, and we had. Um, yeah, about a month to hit GMC. We hit GMC on Switch first because um, it takes some extra time to manufacture those carts compared to printing discs. Hmm. Um, so we hit we hit GMC on that platform first, and then uh, GMC on uh, Xbox and PlayStation Four. That's, like after that's that. Gold Master, right? Yes, yeah. Sorry, Gold Master. Yeah, so it's like done, bug free, like ready to go. Um, you know, it might still go through uh, some rounds of, of, of QA and some kind of uh, certification stuff. But um, but the game at that point is like code locked, content locked. That's it. You're, you're getting what's in the box. In that right. So at this time, you're working on two games simultaneously. Um, you're doing Ben 10 and um, what, the, uh, the mobile game? Uzi, yeah. So yeah. there's a little bit of overlap, but not much. Um, and again, not ideal timing, but just sometimes contracts just kind of land that way, and it's hard to it's hard to shuffle things around. So yeah, there's a little bit of added stress there, where we were closing down one project, shifting resources off of it, while ramping up another one. Again, more challenges because we're starting a project remote as opposed to closing a project. So. It's just it's it's just like a ball of wax that just keeps getting bigger and bigger, and we we're you know we're trying to chip away at it to make the best of it to to maintain deadlines and you know get paid on time and get games out on on time. So mm. it's very, very interesting, oh. very challenging. How big how big is your team? We're twenty people, uh, twenty one people right now. Oh, cool. So um, definitely larger i think than when we talked we spoke last but uh yeah we've, we've done a little bit of growing um we needed some we need some more key members to uh to add to the, the roster to to pull off an open world game yeah so uh before we dive into the game a little bit more if there's things we want to highlight so going off of the timeline aspect so what was the kind of start end time of of guzi the mobile game that you came out with so you said there was a little bit of an overlap so if it was released on the 30th, right, you were saying? The game released on the 30th. 
Um, what was the the start time of of development for that, and what what was that process like? Um, so yeah, so that that was that was also an interesting one because I mean, one of our key partners in that game is uh, is is a YouTube channel you guys might be familiar with, but it's FGTV. FGTV is uh, like a pretty popular uh, gaming channel, mainly focused on playing, uh, or maybe, maybe I want to say kids. Kids are like the main audience there. But uh, they have a massive uh, subscriber. Uh, yeah, I think it's like 18 million subscribers on YouTube. Something like that. They have a couple of channels, over, over two channels. It's like over 20 million subscribers. Um, but they were their key partners in, in the mobile game that we did in, in Guzzi. Um, and a lot of things that we typically do to kind of get a game up and running in terms of like concept art or mechanic design or art design, uh, we we collaborated with them on just to make sure that we were hitting a lot of things that um they know that their audience is looking for so we kind of mm. make sure we tailored uh what we typically do um to fit that audience um so it, it was a little bit of a different process for us but um the the the, the family at fgtv are like huge gamers and they, they they know what they're talking about so it was it was it was a refreshing process so like someone coming with some ideas and reasoning behind it or like a way to um, solve that problem or, you know, figure out a mechanic as opposed to like, you know, someone who might not have any ideas like, yo, developer, uh, just make it online. And you're like, there's like a lot to unpack there. <laughs> I'll, f- I'll flip the internet switch for it. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. Just make it that's, online. That's, that sounds like us sometimes being armchair developers talking about how easy right. it is to do something in a game. Just for do sure. it, man. Why can't you do it? Yeah. Right. No, you're like, it's fair. It, it, like, it, it's, make it it's, so. Uh, it, it, you know. Um, but no, it, it, was, it was definitely interesting because they, they, they knew their stuff. They knew what kind of game uh they wanted and they they gelled very well with our design team um and kind of we mashed our ideas together to, to very cool out. yeah with Guzzi. nice um so uh going back to to ben 10 so it's the first open world game that uh ben 10 has had what ha- what were some of the challenges for for you um and your team making an open world game and or maybe making a Ben 10 open world game specifically, if you can, if there's something that granular to share. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, from a team or a technology perspective, our one of our biggest hurdles was um, creating a tool set which would make our lives easier when designing our open world game. Um, you know, a lot of us in the studio play open world games. We, 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 get, we get the setup, we get what needs to go in there we generally get the structure of open world games uh but we're obviously a much smaller team than a lot of other studios that do open world games so we wanted to make sure we had a very solid uh base and set of tools that our designers and artists can use that would help us uh rapidly prototype faster but also take a lot of what we were doing in the prototype phase to production even quicker um so they're tools that uh, as simple as handling text for 12 languages that we have in the game. Uh, we have the game localized in 12 languages. Um, tools that help us asynchronously load uh, parts of the world. Uh, so it's, it, it's a relatively seamless streaming process. Um, we have uh, a couple of tools that help with uh, sharing rigs across characters and animations um, and doing some animation blending. 
so we wanted to make sure that like you know we weren't biting off too much uh we had we we approached everything intelligently and created things that would help us throughout the the production process Mm -hmm. i think a lot of teams probably approach their games the same way right it's like you know work smarter not harder and if you put that that working in pre- during pre-production to identify and design out and build tools that will help you in those, you know, uh, those later months, um, it's worth, you know, it's worth the time spent. Um, and then from a, just from a gameplay perspective, um, the biggest challenge is trying to make an open world game that's accessible for kids, right? Mm. Something which has the hooks of a traditional open world game that maybe their parents could enjoy playing, but also something that's simple enough where kids can get in uh, and play around in a sandbox and complete missions and not get confused or not have like, uh, you know, a lot of uh, complications. So we really wanted to try to streamline uh, as much as we could to make it accessible while also adding uh, some extra layers on top. So yeah, when the kid goes to sleep, Dad could hop on, or mom can hop on and play the game, and still get some of those same experiences they would get in, you know, a Watch Dogs or a GTA or you know, right, right. more games. Very cool. So, like, uh, how does the game like function? Is it like, like a, like a, you know, do characters like level up? Like, do you just explore the world? Are there missions? Like, like what what kind of open world style did you guys go for? It is the only guided mission in the game is a tutorial. So you complete the tutorial, you unlock your first alien, and then we open up the entire game world, all three regions of the world, to the player. And the player then can pick any one of the three starting missions in each one of the areas to complete first, but they can literally jump around at any point and play any of the main missions, any of the side missions. They could, do, they, they, they could skip the missions and just fool around. Um, so we really kind of wanted to make it... Uh, similar to Breath of the Wild, where we hold your hand for a little bit, and then, boom, it's yours. It's yours to explore, it's yours to kind of figure out, it's yours to attack in any way that you want. Um, and I think that freeform nature, um, early on, during playtests, when we didn't have a lot of um, like UI prompts and, and menu stuff set up for kids and map stuff set up for kids, they were confused. But as soon as we started putting those extra features in, uh, then it really started to click with them, and you know, um, it made sense. Um, Very cool. And 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 yeah, characters like that characters level up. Um, but again, as part of the streamline the streamline process, uh, we basically have three categories that are shared across every single character in the game. So you're not getting super granular with leveling up one character in one way or another character in another way. It's one shared skill tree across the board. So if you pop more, uh, you know, power or health into one of your aliens, it's going to go across all of your aliens. So it's a pretty, pretty steady climb up as, as kids are, you know, uh, using upgrade orders. Right, right. What were you going to say, Tripp? Um, I have a, uh, a couple questions about mm-hmm. this, this, uh, this whole experience here. Um, I really want to know, primarily, this is your third game for Cartoon Network. You, uh, have, you have Ben 10 Power Trip, you have Ben 10 Omni Charged, yeah. and Ben and the Food Truck Rush for We Bear Bears. Oh, and, and Tom and Jerry. Fourth. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I apologize. Yeah, 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 yeah. there's the other one. And 
those other ones are are not only are they other like Cartoon Network uh, properties, which I'm curious about how that um, collaboration came about, but they're VR experiences. And I really want to know how was the VR uh, development experience? Like, how was that? And then how is that translating to like a standard, you know, air quotes, standard third person open world game where, yeah. where that's where you, that was like your introduction to like the Ben 10 property. So, yeah, we did Ben 10 on the charged um, right before we did Power Trip. And luckily, we were able to share some some assets back and forth um, that were on brand. So we built in one alien for one game. We we're able to use it in the other game. Um, but uh, two very different experiences. On the charge is a kind of a power fantasy where you step into the role of an alien and you just go ham like a time crisis kind of game and just start throwing you know fireballs and stuff at targets as you are guided through a five minute kind of experience um much different design philosophy there compared to what we did in the open world game um but what we did take away from the vr game and apply to the the open world game was just more brand knowledge just a a little bit more of an intimate understanding of what Ben 10 is, what the fans like, what they're looking for. Um, and a lot of that kind of helped what influence what we were doing with, with, um, with the open world game. Um, it, it was interesting to see a lot of fans kind of see the VR game uh, and comment on specific things, which were Easter eggs that they really liked and they noticed mm-hmm. as fans of the show. And that kind of stuff that we would see on like Reddit forums and things like that, like Ben 10 Reddit forums or Ben yeah. 10 Twitter, like we would make sure to make notes up and try to apply that to the open world game. So those same fans can get that same kind of like, you know, uh, fun little cool, like, Oh, I recognize that kind of thing. Um, but outside of that kind of brand carryover two two very different, um, I'm sure very different experiences. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it kind of like caught my attention because you, I mean, at least in my experience and uh, my research, you very rarely see a studio doing both VR and traditional game development and, and let alone having both of those different styles of video games with one like trademarked franchise, almost being carried by the same development studio it just seemed like a really unique experience. And, and you touched on something big there, which is you have more of a touchstone to the franchise, to the characters, and you're able to kind of treat that with a little bit more care than maybe mm-hmm. shopping around to different specialized studios every time. You yeah, know? yeah. I mean, we, so I think you asked this previously too, but we've had a long relationship with Cartoon Network. Uh, pretty much from when I started the studio, we one of our first game that we signed was with Cartoon Network, which was the Tom and Jerry game. Um, and since then, we've been we've been rolling with them, and we've. Um, released a bunch of things which are known that are out in the wild. And we've done a lot of work behind the scenes to help them, um, uh, I guess, maybe launch some uh, shows that maybe never made it to air by having game content. So there's a lot of stuff that like never was released that we have in our our archives. Um, But we've, as a work for hire studio, like we've kind of turned into a trusted development partner for them. So um, when it comes to, um, you know, new games or doing cool things with them. Um, it's a very easy collaboration. It's a very easy conversation. If, if it's something that kind of fits uh, or, or is within our wheelhouse, um, the, you know, they would come to us and say, hey, look, do you guys want to do this? Or, hey, you have an idea for this? And it's usually, 
yeah, let's work together. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, and very- and the the um, trip also mentioned um, the the We Bear Bears um, food truck game that also had um, a lot of critical success as well too. Weren't you up for for awards and stuff for for it for it as a VR game? If I'm remembering correctly. Um, yeah, yeah, we we had we were up for uh, a Unity award. Um, we're like best VR game of 2019, which is kind of cool. Uh, and there we like we were in two other, uh, we won best game, best VR game at CineQuest, which is like a movie film VR kind of fest in, in California. And there's another VR, like a global VR fest that we were nominated for the best VR game, but I think we lost, but, um, yeah, that game is, uh, it has a life of its own. It just keeps kind of going and it's, it's still location based. It's not in, it's not in people's houses yet. So, I mean, uh, no one's really playing now because no one's going to, you know, David Buster's <laughs> and family fun centers, but right, um, right. people dig that game. And that's probably, I think maybe one of our most favorite, favorite creations ever. Cause it's just, mm. it's just so wacky. Yeah. It looks, I mean, not to compare it to another game, but it looks like overcooked, but in VR, like you're doing all the, all the actions like cooking and stuff like, that that looks like an ideal like VR scenario game like just for for hijinks and fun. Yeah, yeah. It just it's it's a uh, it's a fun fact you mentioned that people aren't going to family fun centers because in my like research I found uh, the Cartoon Network Hotel which I had no idea that existed that apparently just opened in January here in Pennsylvania up in Lancaster. Yep. Mm-hmm. What? And that's where the uh, that's where the one Ben Ten game is the Power Trip in there and they're like Omnicade they call it yeah. and go and play it there and i'm just like wh- when do they build a giant like experience f- resort for a cartoon network and i was like oh my god it's right here and it was just open in january i mean terrible year for that to open up so you know hopefully that's, it, yeah that's unfortunate <laughs> yeah watches and different things but in the omnicade yeah you have ben 10 on the charge and you have we bear bears um and the hotel is open now so it's probably one of the only places you can actually play the game <laughs> at yeah. this current moment um but uh, but yeah, those games are specifically kind of built and tailored for like location based entertainment. The hotel, when it when it came up, was like one of the perfect outlets for it, as opposed or in addition to all the other kind of um, distribution channels that we go through to get the game out there um, into different family fun centers. Sure. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, so shifting from uh, from Ben Ten to to the 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 mobile product. You know, I know um, we've spoken before and you that game kind of took off in terms of like uh, number of players. You know, it was on the top charts for, for iOS um, after its release. Is is that something that you got that you personally and, and the studio felt like was a possibility? Was that like um, unexpected? Like what was what was that like for you to see that on on the iOS charts? Uh, let me tell you, that was a weird day. Launch day was a weird day. Um, and it started, it started off on a bad foot. And I, uh, on Thursday night, we started getting player data that people were actually playing the game on iOS. And the game wasn't supposed to launch on Thursday night. It was supposed to launch on Friday morning, which is October 30th. To, to, and it was supposed to be in lockstep with other marketing initiatives that were happening. And we're like, what is going on? And we found out somehow that the game was released early through the through the iOS store. 
Um, so it started off as like a like a kind of a kind of a bummer, right? Uh, we're like, oh god, what the hell? Like they got an early version, or like what? Like we're trying to figure out what was going on. Uh, the the Google Play, the the, the Android APK, um, ended up on like those pirate sites. Like it for some some oh, wow. reason somehow it got out there. Don't we, we don't know how. Um, but we we went along. We kind of rolled with it. We launched, uh, or officially launched on Friday, on Friday morning, October 30th. And, uh, the FGTV channel had a couple video, like gameplay videos come out and there's another YouTuber called, uh, think noodles who like released a video. And there's, there's, there's been some other kind of, um, channels with some significant subscribers that have released videos. So we were just kind of, you know, celebrating, kind of hanging out on Friday and by lunchtime we were, uh, Number two on the iPad charts behind Among Us. Uh, we were cl- we started the day at 29 on the iPhone free apps, and we made it all the way up to like 12. Uh, we're number one in the adventure category. I think we're still. I think we're number two right now. Maybe um, we're number four for the top trending game on Google Play. I think maybe today we're number four. I, it like it exploded, and to us, we were like well, okay, what do we, this is like, you know, we weren't prepared. Um, we knew that we, we have, we have a product plan. We have updates that are, that are scheduled for release um, and a different events that surround holidays. We have a toy line that comes out next year. Like we were building right. you know, our live ops plan based on the fact that we're going to keep updating. Vince is getting, or the FGTV channel is going to keep making videos and we're just going to slowly, slowly build. But instead, people said the people decided to like the game a lot, and <laughs> it's just fucking skyrocketed. Right. So you know, it's kind of like a fire drill at that point. We're like, oh my god, now what? And we're just watching it, and we're watching it, and we're all kind of freaking out. And we're like, well, this is cool. One, people like the game, so congrats to us. I guess we did a good job. Um, two, people are comparing it to Hello Neighbor and like Granny, which is kind of you know the style of game that we were going for. Um, and three, holy crap, how do we adjust our plans now, uh, to account for the massive user base that we're, we've acquired over the weekend, um, and make sure that we deliver content in, at, at, at a nice clip. So we keep engagement high and we don't, we're not, you know, just siphoning players by the week. Right. Um, right. So this week has been that kind of like, okay, regroup we got to figure it out we've we've patched a bunch of things i think we're, we launched at version one from uh, version 1.04 right now so we're listening to players our doozy discord has went from like uh on launch day zero people to today i think i looked and it was like 7700 people like it's just it's things are flying and we're we're doing our best to like chase the train that is just <laughs> running right. away from us every day um <laughs> But it's exciting. It's it's been cool. It's totally unexpected. Um, totally unexpected. But hey, look, sometimes it happens. You know, sometimes lightning strikes. Let me ask. Let me ask you that. So now you have this massive user base who loves the game. How does how does a you know like a small studio like yourselves like how do you guys take that feedback? Like, what's the best way? Because I've always wondered this. Because for, for many bigger studios, like people just yell on Twitter, right? Like that's like the general way that happens. Like hey, when something me. goes wrong in destiny. Hey, right. Hey, exactly. hey, 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 <laughs> two days ago, 
I couldn't figure out if perk loadouts were coming to Fallout. I tweeted Pete Hines and Pete Jeff, Hines. Jeff Gardner, the developer. Well, Pete Hines is marketing, but Jeff uh, Jeff Gardner is the developer of Fallout 76. They got back to me on Twitter and told me it's been pushed to 2021. I was well, like, that's because you yelled at everything else. They finally decided to answer yeah. one of your questions. I, like, I, I, I also use proper channels. I use for good and for bad things. They're just I, like this yeah. guy. They this know this guy. guy. They're like this fucking dude. He's back. Um, <laughs> no, but so like, so like Nick, like what's the best way that you guys hear, hear the feedback of your user base, like your fans. Yeah. Like how do you guys take that in? So we hear some on social media and we're, we're, you know, I, I, we're, I think we're a little bit more active on our Twitter than we are on our other, other social platforms. We're not very good at social media to be completely honest, but we will respond. If someone asks us a question, we've helped a couple of players who've had some, some issues. Um, we are currently monitoring the Google play store. So there's a lot, or I mean, both stores, but we're monitoring the user reviews on some of the stores. Um, because some people will like give you a one star for like, oh, my game crashes, right? So mm-hmm. now we are looking into, hey, why is your game crash? And we can try to find crash reports and hopefully through customer service, um, re-engage with that user and say, hey, look, we just updated the game. Do you, would you consider re-rating it, right? Mm. Um, but first and foremost with this game, uh, like I mentioned, our, our Discord is, is, is kind of blown up. We have a bug report channel. We're very transparent with everyone in there. When we um, we have a pat, we have a patch notes channel. We have all kinds of things for users to get the latest information about about the game. Um, and myself and a bunch of other developers are in that channel. So what we do is, um, you know, we have a live ops kind of bug list, and we 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 scroll through that channel and we try to see what are some things that are coming up often. Or what are some things that uh, we see as potential issues, um, and we try to get those things fixed as, as fast as possible, in, in like you know, in patches that we roll out there, and that's that seemed to work so far. We've we've definitely seen um, a lot of people kind of complain about similar things, so we know that those are going to fly to the top of our priority list. But we want to make sure we fix the uh, the most things that will get us the most kind of bang for our buck, I guess, in terms of like covering a fix that will hit the most users, right. Or hit all the users that are kind of complaining about it. Um, and that's kind of what, that's kind of what we're using right now. That's kind of what we're rolling with. I'm sure as maybe things get larger and get bigger, there might be some other, uh, means of engagement with, with users where we, we get bug reports. Um, but right now the discord is like, uh, kind of ground zero for, for communication between us and the, and, and the fans and getting an idea of maybe, you know, some weird things that are happening for them. Um, so, yeah. So because this is such a huge game, do you, do you guys plan, like you mentioned earlier, you guys are going to plan like more content releases. Is, is that something that you also fit into your pipeline? I'm asking this because like, you're like the best window to like understand like, okay, the game's out there, right? Like, bug fixes next then you go okay what's for the future of the game so i'm like curious like what is that what does that look like? i'm not asking i'm not fishing for like oh what's coming next on the goozy but how does that how does that work how does that work like development wise sure well i mean the game is episodic from 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 the get-go you're, it says episode one or chapter one the visitors so you know from the start there's more that's planned when it's coming out we're not saying yet um but 
but no, like any game that is uh, that's out there for, for players or any kind of like live service game, there's always a plan, right? There's always a plan to continue to support it after after launch. Uh, not only with the bug fixes, but with extra content, right? What can we do to, like I said before, like engage users more or give them more content so they're not dropping off? So we have events um, just based on where we are at this time of year, events surrounding uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas, where we'll be uh, offering some pretty cool um, uh, gameplay mods, vanity items, some special maybe like presents for in-game currency. There'll be some really cool things that we give to players um, to reward them for playing, reward them for, um, you know, coming back. Uh, and then also kind of give them a little bit something new that is worthy of maybe a new video or them telling their friends about like this new kind of gameplay mod that we're doing. Um, we've, we've actually went ahead and created a, I mentioned we have a toy line coming out. So the toy line that comes out, in uh, February 2021, uh, it'll be a bunch of uh, blind bags uh, with characters from the game in it. And in each bag will be a special code. And that special code will unlock cool content in the game. Uh, and the, the codes are uh, almost like a Willy Wonka style where we have like common, rare, and legendary codes. Mm -hmm. And each code uh, tier, there's special stuff that you can't get in previous tiers um so we we have this this special kind of code system where you can enter a code in and we adapted that for these kind of like holiday events that we're doing because uh, we thought it'd be really cool if um the fgtv family continues to do videos um and and kind of put out content surrounding the game that we can give them some kind of keyword or they can make up a keyword right and then we can put that into our code, our, our, our code entry system. So if players hear them yell that or hear them say something, hey, go enter the code Thanksgiving or Cornucopia in, in Guzzi, um, that will unlock something for players. And we have all that stuff kind of planned. We have, we have a back end that supports it. Um, so we wanted, we wanted to make it maybe a little bit more um, of an interesting kind of... Um, it's like makes it more interactive almost. Yeah. Instead of just like, oh, your app update's ready. It's like, well, you got an app update where you have like a holiday themed Goozy logo and some other kind of changes to the game. But like, if you enter this code, you can get a little something extra, you know? So um, we're doing our best to try to try to plan and adjust and, and make it, you know, make it as fun as possible, you know? What is the, um, is the more general question? Um, what, what's the, the, the best thing as a developer developing for mobile versus a major like you know platform like you know your xbox or your playstation or pc what what is what does that look like from a development standpoint does it change your timeline at all like what you know kind of overall what is that experience like um it's definitely easier than developing on a console um the um the hardware is a lot cheaper right you can buy a lot more test devices than you, than you can get for you know a couple of test devices for for consoles uh, unless you see it to you by by microsoft or sony but um there's less stringent um certification when it comes to getting the game out there uh it's much faster to patch your game there's a lot less kind of things to go through um where you know look if 
someone, like I said, someone in the, in the Discord reports a bug on iOS or even on Google Play, um, all you have to do is just make a build and submit it. And then within 24 hours, it's live. As opposed to consoles, which goes through rounds of testing, then it gets propped up on the back end and goes live or it's slowly rolled out across regions. Like mobile is a lot more instant. Um, okay. It allows for that rapid development, that rapid support, uh, which I think is is a much different kind of experience than, than developing on console. Um, downside is um, it's phones and it's tablets. They're they're less powerful generally than than your consoles. I mean, outside of Switch, because it's basically a phone. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, I have my gripes with Switch. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so there's the, the the hardest thing is you know look building for mobile architecture, but also building your game in a way where you can create something that'll work across an insane amount of devices, especially right. especially on the Android side, because um, you have people still running you know Android six, Android eight, like we're on eleven right now, um, and that proves to be difficult because. A lot of legacy rendering things don't work with old versions of, of Android. And we're dealing with that now where we have a slime shader on our characters, which works great on everything from Android 9 and up, but from Android 8 and below, they render as black. So we're trying to fix that kind of stuff. And, you know, that that's the most difficult thing is just the amount yeah. of devices that you need. It to sounds like stuff. a nightmare to try and chase that. And, and Android's always had that problem, right, with it, with... Yes, like the user base is on, you know, a hundred different mm-hmm. types of versions of of Android. Where iOS yeah. typically, I, typically I, you know, iOS typically is what you, you usually have like what seventy five percent of the people move over to the latest you know iOS version on launch day, and then you have a couple stragglers here or there on some older older iOS builds. But typically, you know, on iOS you're you're at a smaller you know yeah, smaller I mean, gap. It, it seemed like a development nightmare for regular apps on Android, let alone like a, a three-dimensional game with mechanics and like you said, shaders and just different things that like can, can look entirely different depending on if, you know, how lazy someone was in, in owning their device over the years. It's crazy. It's funny you mentioned uh, the, the, the iOS crowd where generally we hate that closed system. We hate the iOS system. It's a real pain in the butt mm-hmm. on times to develop for. Google Play is like the Wild West. It's fantastic when it, when when you're a developer, um, but the downside is what I mentioned is that there's fragments and branches and all kinds of different versions of Android out there, and it's like the Wild West. There's a Samsung version of Android. There's this version of Android. There's a weird kind of like only version of Android that's only on like a Samsung device in one part of India. Like there's a lot of just kind of like weird just streams of it as opposed to ios which is much more like contained so it's a it's a little bit easier to develop uh for ios in that regard um but yeah it's two very different systems and both have their pros and cons but it's funny you mentioned that because that's something we kind of as much as we 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 struggle with some ios stuff just because it's kind of a pain uh we do appreciate the fact that they keep everyone generally in, on the same on the same operating system, or at least kind right. of like shepherd them in that way. And you're on iOS; you're not on any other version of you know of the OS and any. Right, right. What were you going to say, Felix? 
I said a question. Can you beat the alien? Because I'm trying to beat the alien, and the alien <laughs> keeps killing me. <laughs> yeah, beat the alien. Okay. I'm just gonna you keep running. Die. I'm gonna keep running you, from the alien. Gotta, I, fa- I found the closet. I found, I'm gonna hide in the closet. <laughs> it's, it's the alien isolation <laughs> of mobile phones. Now, nah, Trip, yep. you'd like uh, Trip, you'd like the game. It's your style. Yeah, it's, it's, it. it's on my phone. It's yeah. your style I'm, of game where you got to figure out the puzzles. You know, I do in, love puzzles in the rooms love and stuff. Puzzles. Room, room yeah. puzzle games, you love them. Yeah, you like how a neighbor and you like kind of like escape rooms and things like that. Like, yeah. It's, it's mm-hmm. that it's that type of game. It's it's just you know a maze like house with a lot of different. Uh, That's very cool. Do, do you mind a comparison, or would that be overstepping bounds here? Uh, no. I just I just was playing Luigi's Mansion, and the art style is, is very similar to Luigi's Mansion. I love that game. So our our main comps for this game: uh, we'll, Hello Neighbor, Prophet, and Luigi's Mansion. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely getting that vibe, man, and. Believe me, I have spent hours in that game. Love it. <laughs> I, I'm like, I love, love Luigi's Mansion, like more than life itself. So yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> we're on the same page. Good. What were you going to say, Trip? I want to, I want to jump off a point that Felix just said in, in asking you if he was allowed to make a comparison, because I'm kind of curious as to your opinion about that kind of stuff. Um, because you just mentioned a second ago in, in your answer to him that that you had like a couple like touch points in, in your like design kind of waypoint in your compass. Uh, mm-hmm. and then you think about like, again, talking about Anthem, a game that you enjoy, you hear stories about their development process and they were like, don't anyone ever say the word destiny in these meetings, you know? So like, mm-hmm. how does, is it a studio culture thing? Is it like a personal developer opinion? Like how do, how do you personally think? And then, then how does like, do you feel the industry handles that? Like, do you, is it offensive? Is it kind of like just, Par for the course, it's going to happen. So lean in and take design cues. Like, how do you feel? I, I think everyone does it. Everyone does it. There's no way that, I mean, everyone, this has been said a million times. There's no original ideas, right? Right. There's, there's just kind of tweaks of existing things. And, you know, hopefully you can spin off enough where it seems original. But there's, the genres are set, right? We, we kind of know what's happening. We, a lot of things have been done before and been done better after, right? So, uh, I think the biggest the biggest thing that you would see, the biggest difference you see is that uh, you know for 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 Anthem let's say I'm sure you know EA marketing EA PR are, are making sure that the developers are tight lipped and they don't they don't make compare they compare they don't compare their game to other games mm-hmm. for us and I think most developers we don't care it's it's we're not trying to hide anything from anyone right like right you play it you see it right you you you, you get the comparisons and for us. That's what we were going for. That's what we wanted. Those are games that that were our comps, right? Uh, that we were going after those audience, the people who like those games in that audience. Um, and there's there's nothing from our our perspective to hide. I mean, we can rip those games off. We, we think our game is different enough. Um, it has much different mechanics than some of those other games. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's. I think it's normal. It's just. It's just a matter of you know. I guess who's who's locking your mouth down at the studio. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah. I was gonna say is is it more like a um, an upper management suit kind of um, driven conversation versus like the developers and the the ones doing the work itself? Because um, I feel like when you, you it's it's kind of hard to compare. Um, to like EA, which is like this massive, massive entity, right? You know, where probably a large portion of the staff are, are upper management that just make decisions, don't actually do the work, right? So 
you know, they, they get self-conscious to, to talk about, you know, well, we can't compare ourselves to destiny. Like, don't, don't say that because that's going to make us look bad. If you say anthems, yeah. the, the new destiny, right. Where, you know, maybe everyone that's making the game is a destiny player and they're trying to take things away from destiny to make it, you know, more similar for the, for the reasons, because they like playing the game. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, I, th- I think, you know, from the outside perspective, that's where I kind of see it as like, you know, a disconnect from a management team versus the ones making the game. I don't know how accurate that would be. I, I think it's totally accurate. I mean, and you, if you ask any developer, right, no one's, everyone's playing games. No one, there's no developer in the world that's not playing anything, right? Right, right. Who doesn't maybe watch a video or play a game and get an idea or have a touch point or a point of reference from something they played and they really liked, right? Everyone's doing it. It's just a matter of who's talking about it. You know, um, we're constantly as any game that we do, we're always like, you know, we're always trying to think of things from other games that we really like, uh, you know, in addition to original concepts that we come up with or anything, you know, anything that we do for partners, we're like, well, that was really cool in that game. That worked really well. Right. How does that, how does that jive with what we're trying to do? Um, maybe it doesn't fit in this concept, but we'll keep that in our back pocket. Maybe it fits into another concept that we're doing. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're gamers. We, we, we play them and we make them. So we're always kind of, you know, kind of got that, that stuff rattling, rattling around their head anyway. Yeah, it makes sense. And, and it's obviously a very, very different conversation than, you know, like, a, like a, a Chinese ripoff of a game that's literally the game that, you know, as it's some other branded yeah. game, and then it's published just for the same thing. Very different conversation, obviously, like talking influences versus just a straight ripoff. Yeah. Mm. Felix, Felix, you want to say something? The cupcakes distract the alien. There you go. Dude, spoilers! <laughs> Come on! Yeah, I was gonna play it the moment we got off. I line. just escaped. I'm just. I'm proud of myself. I'm, so I'm happy, happy for you, dude. Good job, bro. Good job. I'm glad. Um, no tutorial in the game except for it tells you how to interact with the screen. Yeah, so, it didn't tell you anything, man. It was great. Felix, now here's your moment. Did you come across any bugs? That you yeah, want to report? No, very, very clean. Yeah, we get, we got good good iOS game. His phone is fully updated, so he's good to go. There's no worries. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm on fourteen, whatever it is, fourteen oh eight or fourteen, whatever it is. <laughs> fully updated, not running iOS seven. No. Um, very cool. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure we're running long at this point. Um, but do you guys have any other questions while we have? Well, we have Nick. I know we've been grilling him with some more ge- generalized uh, studio questions since he's our uh, he's our resident yeah. expert. But well, I was I was just going to uh, say got, like what, go, ahead. go ahead. I was just going to say what's the future looking like? Like where do you want to go, or can you not talk about it? Uh, we got a couple things rattling around. We have another uh, multi-platform uh, console project that's coming out in September of next year. Um, yeah, we're, we're we're fully focused on supporting uh, Groozy right now, and um, there's a couple of things happening um, that I can't talk about. Uh, one of the ones that I can't talk about because we're pressuring them super hard is uh, Disney. We have a little kind of Twitter thing going um, with uh, Resurrect Muppet Monster Adventure. Um, Muppet Monster Adventure is a PS1 game. It's a Spyro Spyro like. Uh, it's fantastic. Oh, cool. People love it to this day. And we are talking to the right people uh, about trying to get a, a remaster or remake off the ground. 
uh, and we are trying to trying to pull this whole deal together. And one of the um, one of our partners who we want to bring on board to help because he's also a massive fan is. Do you guys know the name Clive and Wrench? Have you, have you heard of that game before? Clive and Wrench. Clive and Wrench. I haven't. Is a 3D platformer, very much like a, a Banjo Kazooie. Um, very, very traditional 3D platformer, which is absolutely fantastic. Made by a one-man development studio, Rob Rob Wass, uh, and Rob is a huge Muppet Monster Adventure fan. And uh, we're trying to Voltron this thing together, uh, <laughs> combine our powers, and then strong arm Disney into letting us do it. But uh, we're we're trying to wage a uh, <clears throat> a little like kind of Twitter hashtag thing that. To get people to talk about it and then mm-hmm. add a little extra pressure um but okay. uh, yeah that's, that's there's a couple of things i can't talk about but those are those are the main ones yeah that's a fun little like trying to get everyone's power behind the project kind of thing that's cool yeah. like you can't say no to the crowd. right exactly <laughs> yeah uh let me ask you this we're like one week away from these new consoles how do you guys feel about the next gen now that we're like moving in that direction do you guys do you guys see potential for it, or do you, how do you guys see taking that on if that's a new platform you guys are going to hop on? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, we're most definitely hopping on the new new platforms. And funny enough, I pick up my my Series X on Tuesday morning. I got to go to Best Buy. Like I have, a, I have a half hour window where I have to pick it up at the store in South Philly. Um, I was lucky enough to get one, but um, nice. super excited. But yeah, no, we're we're really excited for the for the the next round of, of consoles, and I think even more exciting. Uh, what's even more exciting than the hardware itself is uh, Microsoft's approach to how they're handling this this gen, next gen. I don't know. I don't know what to call it at this point. Next gen. Um, it's safe. Gen. It's yeah, safe. Yeah. yeah, next gen works. Yeah. It's it's never failed us yet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm really excited, and, and I think in general, the studio is really excited about how they're handling things with Game Pass, um, with this kind of uh, content arms race almost, where uh, everything's coming to Game Pass. We're, we're, at, we're giving you a value like you've never seen before um, to play every single game under the sun. As a consumer, it's fantastic. As a developer, also fantastic, because they're signing lots of deals which help developers get their games on Game Pass, which, um, you know, financially are, are, are very lucrative. They're very good. Um, so when you, when you transition to a service, to a subscription service like this, it not only works out for players, but it works out for developers. Uh, but also the, the, the benefit is there's always going to be a ton of games, which means there's always going to be something, always gonna be something for everyone to play. But then always going to be something for a developer to to put on game pass or you know there's always going to be a want from microsoft for for new content so um that you can share it across your your microsoft devices also really cool project x cloud is amazing i you know could hop on my my xbox and play streets of rage and then go to bed and continue playing it from my phone like absolutely fantastic i think it's a very interesting approach um very different from what Sony's doing, uh, where Sony has very, very strong first-party titles, which are kind of, you know, doing really well and will, I think, continue to do well when Microsoft is just trying to really saturate the market first and then 
you know, hope that you find a really good title in the, you know, Netflix library of games that they're offering you. Mm. You've just done a pretty outstanding job of summarizing two or three episodes worth of conversations that we've had. Um, to, be, to be perfectly honest, you hit all the points that we've hit, which, um, you know, we've kind of landed on the fact that um, Microsoft has done a incredible job of creating a, an ecosystem um, and a service library and system that will withstain it, right? Um, and is now, you know, just starting to do the work on first-party titles, um, which they've lost to Sony for, for years now at this point. Um where Sony only has their first party titles realistically, they don't have, you you can't compare what they offer from a service perspective, from an online perspective to Xbox or to Microsoft in any way. Um, So it's just funny to hear you break that down from your own perspective, because it's, it's pretty much what we've, what we've landed on. Um, you know, we we just, we've just stretched it out into content, multiple episodes of content. (laughs) That's, that's it. We're We're really good at that. Um, but also, you know, we've also spoken about it from a consumer perspective, right? So to hear that as a developer, um, you also see the benefits of the game pass side of things and what that opens up the doors for, for maybe some smaller developers or up and coming development groups. Right. Um, cause we're looking at it from strictly like a monetary value where Microsoft is off is offering an amazing package at such a low price point when you yeah. look at, you know, some of the consoles that you can get now. Um, and then with, you know, the game pass ultimate and all of these things that you're able to purchase, um, it gives a, a gamer an opportunity to try so many different games that they would have never tried before when you're buying $60 titles at a time. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I appreciate you sharing that that perspective because I don't think we would have gotten that otherwise. Yeah, yeah it's great hearing that side for sure. Yeah, value on the consumer side and value on the developer side. It's 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 really interesting. It's gonna be really it's gonna be really fun to see how this how this evolves or uh, how 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 people react to it because I think that um, myself and I think maybe a lot of other people early on weren't really super jazzed about the Series X, uh, and then only when the whole Game Pass program was expanded and they started talking about all the other features that kind of tie into it. That's when everyone was like, there it is. Now it makes sense. Now everything, it's all coming together now. It's all um, coming together, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was, I, was, I was quickly, uh, um, I was not so not so quick to get a PS5 pre-order and it was like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Xbox first and I'll get PS5 kind of. Kind of. couldn't after. get one. They botched that Which, shit. Uh, releasing it in the middle of a goddamn uh, uh, like announcement and not telling anybody. Oh god! Yeah, that was a mess. Mm, terrible a mess. But I'll definitely get one because I need to play the new Spider-Man. I need to play oh, yeah. all the party stuff. The new Ratchet and Clank, which I'm like, head's gonna explode probably when I play that because it's gonna be so good. Mm. Um, but yeah, it looks really but, good. Yeah. yeah, much different approach than Xbox. Right. Right. And it's, and it's interesting, right? Because, um, not to, not to go down this rabbit hole, cause I don't want to keep you for too much longer. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see once Microsoft catches Sony, if they do, right. If we make the assumption that, uh, you know, eventually Microsoft is releasing a solid, um, stable of, of first party content, what that race looks like in that competition then looks like, right. Because, you know, we don't, we haven't seen Sony do really anything, um, in the terms of like infrastructure for their, for their ecosystem. Right. I mean, we've only just begun being able to change our PSN tags, which is something that Xbox has had since like OG Xbox, you could update your gamer tag. Right. Um, so 
right? So it's just like it, I, we've theorized a lot on what does that look like once Microsoft is starting to create first party content. Um, you know, what is that going to end up doing to Sony um, right. in the long run? Right. That's also another huge part of their plan too. Is like is is Microsoft's first party content plan, which has been acquire everyone. Right. Mm-hmm. Take a lot of third what was previously third party content away from competitors and now put it on Game Pass or make it exclusive. So like you know, like Bethesda, which was like an insane announcement, like that is yeah. a huge, 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 huge like coup for them, uh for, for Microsoft to now have potentially, you know, it hasn't been announced yet, but I'm assuming just based on how things work, there will be exclusive Game Pass games that will not be on other systems. But you have what Starfields, and you'll have you know the next uh, the Elder Scrolls, Elder Scrolls yeah. game. And you'll have everything else that they're doing um, from all the other Bethesda studios too, uh, which will be on Game Pass, which is huge. So mm-hmm. um, you know Microsoft threw some money around, built out their first party quite a bit, and um, see what happens. You know, that's yeah. very exciting. Yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah, to the point, like, you know, some of those games I would have never played if I didn't have Game Pass, right? Um, so the that that Netflix, you know, library analogy that you threw out earlier is, is perfect, right? It's the same reason why, you know, on Netflix you watch shows or you watch TVs or whatever, TV shows or movies that you would have never done before or you watch an episode and you're like, okay, this isn't for me, right? You know, I've downloaded plenty of games on Game Pass, played it for an hour or two and was like, yeah, no, not for me right now. Right. Yep. Um, and having that flexibility as a consumer is is crazy to think where we came from, right, where you buy a game and that's it. And your only avenue is to sell it for a fraction of a cost to GameStop or you just hold on to it and it collects dust. Right. And then you have a Felix shelf of 4000 yeah. games that you, you don't end up playing. I'm all digital um, now, baby. I'm all digital. <laughs> I finally made it there. Right. You can trade a copy of Avengers, I guess. Yeah, right. There you go. How much do you think that's worth? Not a lot. <laughs> Not a lot. Um, push, push Ten bucks, maybe. You know, I mean, the games. GameStop now more than ever has no money to give you, so they can't. They can't be giving you much for for your trading it for your trade ins. Um, yeah. <laughs> although I think I think Microsoft has announced a partnership with GameStop, haven't they? I think, yeah, don't they have some kind of partnership yeah, happening? Something was in the um, news. Yeah, I forget off the top of my head, but it's something they with take, digital yeah, sales. Yeah, they take right? a percentage of uh, digital sales, yeah. Right. Um, we will be pushing more Microsoft products uh, and Xbox products at GameStop than, than previously. Right. So now. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Which, yeah, they do that better than anybody else, so I'm sure you won't be walking out of there with a the PlayStation unless you fight your way out. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Do you guys have uh, anything else that we, we should bring up with Nick that we didn't hit already um, before we kind of before we wrap it up? And then maybe this time we, we won't do two years between episodes. We'll, we'll bring them on sooner. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, we can... I think I think all my questions are answered. Nice. Lo- love to have you back on when your next like game chapter comes out for Doozy or your next game comes out. That would be really great to talk about. Yeah. No, I'd love to come back. Hit me, hit me up anytime you guys want to talk about any any random industry oh. stuff. I love that. I love that. I, should, I should thank you. Back in March, you gave a lot of codes for us to give away for a charity stream I did back in March. That yeah. was really nice of you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. That was uh, it was for the uh, the the pause uh, pause your game, yeah, for the uh, for the animal charity. 
yeah, I, I'm a sucker for uh, giving giving things away to animals. So uh, happy to do it. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for that. I mean, I guess the dogs weren't playing the game, but the this they were benefiting from the, from the charity. <laughs> yeah, they appreciated it. Trust me. Yeah, they did. Somewhere. Yeah, for sure. No, yeah. I mean, we will. There's there's plenty of times where um, we are we're theorizing industry stuff based based as consumers of, of video games. So I'm sure we can we can uh, bounce stuff off of you in the future. But well, Paul yeah, does sure. cats too, right? Paul's pa- cats. Yeah, I think, yeah, cats and dogs. Yeah. Okay. It's an animal. It's an animal shelter thing. Yeah. Yeah. So if it's an animal, you're probably good. <laughs> if it's a house pet, Felix, a house pet, <laughs> you're probably okay. Jaguars. Um, yeah. Um. Cool. So, uh, where can um, where can our listeners find your studio on Twitter? Um, I think we have it on the live stream. It's at PHL Collective. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, yeah. Is there? What were we gonna say? Sorry. I was gonna say I think we're at PHL Collective everywhere. Okay. Cool. So all your social media platforms would be PHL Collective. Um, so, uh, we got Ben 10 out right now, Ben 10 power trip. You can find it on switch PlayStation Xbox. Are those the three platforms for power trip steam steam and the Xbox version is, uh, forward compatible. So you can play it on your Xbox one and you can play it on your new, your new console you get next week. Very nice. Nice. Um, and then Guzzi, like we've been mentioning, that would be on all of the mobile platforms. Find it in the Google Play Store and then yes. find it in iOS or in the App Store. It's awesome. Great. I already played it. Thank you. <laughs> he's, he's been playing it. He's been, as we've been talking, Felix has been multitasking playing the game. Watch those ads. Get us that revenue. <laughs> yeah. oh, you know what's um, really good about those ads? It's very clear with the X's. So thank you. Give us that fraction of a penny, please. Yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll watch we'll watch the the ads that we normally exit out of just for you. <laughs> um, is there any is there any other plugs that that I missed right there for for the studio or for for any um, games? No, I mean if, I guess if you uh, buy Benson Powership, if you if you're in the you know, simple, simplified Oklahoma games. Or if you have a, a family member who you think would be into it, uh, Goosey's free to play, free to download. And uh, tweet about Resurrect Muppet Monster Adventure if you're, uh, if you're so inclined. <laughs> I think we can make that happen. We can um, do that. <laughs> and then you mentioned uh, the Discord for, for Goosey, right? Discord for Goosey or Discord for Ben 10? Which, or is there one for both? Yeah, for, no, just for Goosey. So if just you go to gooseygame.com, there's links to all the social media and there's a link to the, to join the discord channel. Um, cool. Everything you can find there. Yep. Awesome. Nice. So make sure you join that discord channel. If, if you download the game and you, and you get into it, um, make sure to join, uh, Felix, where can we find you? Yeah, this is Felix Hergood. I'm mostly on Twitter at Felix Hergood. I will get back to Twitch eventually. I don't know when the uh, pandemic has kind of put me in a weird, uh, scheduling concern. So I don't know. It's going to happen. I just don't know when it is going to happen. I believe just in you. Felix Hergood on Twitter for now. Trip, where can we find you? What's up guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, this is trip zero. I am on Twitch, twitch.tv slash trip zero TV. All of my socials are also trip zero TV Mondays, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, 7 PM to 11 PM Eastern is the regular schedule that will change uh, for a short period of time, at least coming up this Tuesday with the launch of destiny Two beyond light. Uh, I'll be probably doing at least eight hour streams for Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, to prep for the raid race. Um, so follow the Twitter. Uh, like a lot of people here, best way to know what I'm doing and when I'm doing it. 
Are you, um, I'm sorry. Now I'm going to stop. Are you, um, <laughs> what was I going to say? Oh, do you already have a raid team for, for Beyond no. Light? No. Right. Well, listen, so I don't, some, I don't there's, know. There's, I don't there's some know. exploratory conversations a couple months ago. Got it. Got it. Uh, interest was not where it is now. Right. We can revisit. Right. We can go back to the table and, and talk. Cause I'm right. very interested and, and I would be a buyer. Okay. Listen, I, you know, I opened up my email the other day. Our, our good friend Puck in the Discord bought me Beyond Light without me asking him. So now I have Beyond Light. Papa. Um, Papa. Papa now you're obligated to play it. Well, now I, ha- I absolutely have to play it. I can't let that money go to waste. Um, you've got, you've got, you've got, mm-hmm. we'll so, Michael a good shot uh, in the game. So I would, you know. Right. I do. Yeah. I do yeah. make up for my lack in power in the game, makes yeah. up in, in my ability to shoot or the, or the, aliens. A solid. Um, yeah, head so, on your on your shoulders. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to do any playing. I haven't played really much Destiny, but I I plan on playing at the release of of Beyond Light. Like so I told I'm you, curious, but, you don't have to do any prep. Right, you can just hop right, right in. So if I have enough time to play to dedicate to it post release, um, I think I would like to try the the day one or at least you know a first week clear. So Love yes, it. sorry, yes. Destiny, real quick. Just had to sh- had to shoehorn some Destiny yep. content into the podcast. Uh, Neo Aoshi, where can we find you? Uh, Twitter.com slash Neo underscore Aoshi. Twitch.tv slash Neo Aoshi. I plan on next week on the 12th opening PS5 on stream, hooking it up, playing some Miles Morales and or Demon Souls and Bloodborne, seeing how that runs, because that's obviously going to be a thing. So, yeah, check me out on launch day. There. Nice. Very cool. Um, and this is Lock and Key. You can find me on Twitter at Lock underscore Key. Um, that's really the only place to find me right now. I did tweet out the other night. I was talking to Neo about it briefly that um, I think come 2021, I'm going to start streaming again and creating content again. Um, took a long break from doing that. Um, but I'm at a place now that I, I want to start streaming again. So um, I'm going to spend the rest of 2020 kind of planning out what I want to do, some hardware things, some software things, and then uh, probably go live sometime in the new year. Once we all drag our tired bodies over the finish line of 2020, hopefully 20, Christ, 2021, um, we'll, we'll be refreshed and re-energized to do that. But yes, follow me on Twitter. Um, please make sure also to follow the emerging gamer on Twitter. Make sure to check out our YouTube channel. Uh, please hit subscribe. If you do like the content, um, on YouTube, um, that would be super appreciative. Um, and as well as leaving any reviews, um, across the, the, the platforms for the podcast. Um, if you do enjoy the content, please leave us a review so uh, we can share that, um, uh, positive feedback that you have for us. Uh, guys, did I miss any plugs for, for the show? Twitter, YouTube, right? Hey, we're good. Subscribe. We're good. Cool. Awesome. Everybody, thank you for listening to um, to episode 274. Uh, thanks again, Nick from PHL Collective for joining us. Yeah, thanks for being um, here, man. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we, will, uh, we will see you guys next week. Later. 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 Yep. Did you see a uh, chat, Felix? Kevin, that said first edition of the saboteur. I definitely, I definitely have a first edition (laughs) of the saboteur and they never made any more editions. You got the only edition of the saboteur, my friend. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Man, do I love that game. You'll never never be able to get rid of, you'll never be able to get rid of your 360, right? Just so you can always go back and play that. So I can always play the saboteur. Very good game. Very good game.